Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Views from the Arch. As always, I am your host, Delvon. I'm going to skip our intro that we usually have today. We have a lot of stuff to talk about, and I'm really excited just to kind of get right into it. So, our topic for today is the vice president debate between Pence and Harris. Uh, I will start off by saying that two things. I paid way more attention to Harris than did Pence. Not that I really care about the things Pence said, but yeah, you're going to kind of notice throughout this podcast, we're talking a lot about Harris. Um, and most of my opinions will probably be about Harris um, because we all really, we all know Pence, right? Uh, also, Harris is the challenger. So I think that it's important to talk about our challenger, right? Uh, number two, this presidential debate, a lot better than the um, than the presidential debate. You know, the VPs, I think, did a lot better. Um, about the one, the way that it was structured, they had nine topics. Um, we're really going to talk about probably six. Um, uh, and two, they were a lot better about kind of getting to the point with each other. Um, you know, I think to start off, I think a lot of them, I think both of them kind of dodged some questions, um, trying not to really go up any ground, which I really don't like in the debates when people do that, but hey. So the first topic I think they talked about was COVID. And related to COVID, uh, Harris asked what her admin Harris was asked what her had what her administration would do uh, differently than the Trump administration. Um, and Harris kind of diverted to stating that Trump and his administration failed amazingly during COVID um, and didn't act, and that uh, Trump's ad- administration acted with ignorance. And that they covered up the um, they covered up their knowledge of the uh, of the of the virus, um, and this kind of came up a couple times in the uh, debate. You know, my thing is this: I would have rather per, this is me personally, right? I would much rather the Trump administration not tell us until they know what they got, than tell us and cause a mass panic. Because, I mean, panic was coming regardless, right? I think that panic arrives regardless. Um, I don't think the Trump administration did anything good or bad when it came to withholding or getting out information. I think that the government told us what they had when they had it. Um, You know, obviously you don't want to say there's a virus killing people. We don't know what it is or what it's called or how to fix it or anything else, but it it will kill you. So prepare to die. You're going to cause, I mean, the streets will melt, right? I mean, you can't do that, right? So I think when they had enough information to say, hey, there's a virus, it's this, it does this, uh, you know, here's our recommendations to, re- to reduce its spread. I think that's more appropriate than creating mass hysteria with absolutely no answers. Because what's next? You say, hey, uh, there's a virus that's doing this, and boom. You're going to get hit with the, well, what about the this and the that? And then your administration has to say, well, we don't really know about this and that. And then you're going to look like an idiot, right? Um, I wouldn't say the Trump administration failed. Uh, I would say that there's not much they can really do. I mean, you have to understand we're just people, right? Trump's just a person. His administration are just people. I mean, 
you know, and I think I alluded to this probably in my last podcast, you know, as Americans, we're built a certain way. We live on top of each other. Literally, we live on top of each other. Hotels, apartments, neighborhoods. I mean, we live on top of one another. It's just the way we're built. We're the fifth largest population in the world. And while it doesn't sound like a lot, when you count for how many sovereign states exist in the world, it's kind of a lot. We're the fifth largest population. We're top five. That's a lot of people. That's like having an outbreak happen in not near our population, but Japan, right? That's why in Japan, you'll see during cold and flu season, a lot of their population, they were uh, they were surgical masks. They were uh, ventilation masks because they live on top of one another. And if one person gets sick, everybody's going to get sick, right? It's just like if a virus breaks out in India. If one person in India gets sick with a virus that's super contagious, and we did see this during COVID, they're all going to get sick, right? And, you know, I know that for a while it was the debate of herd immunity versus actual immunity versus vaccination. And my thing is this, you're going to you're going to achieve herd immunity regardless. Um, I think that in a pandemic, right, if we've reached the point where something is beyond an illness, it's just a pandemic, it's going to kill who it's going to kill. And it did. We saw that in New York. It killed who it's going to kill. And the rest of them are going to get sick and the rest of them are going to get infected. And they're going to have the people who are asymptomatic, you know, the people who have a slight immunity, right? But it's going to kill who it's going to kill. It's a virus, right? And the Trump administration, I mean, listen, let's all be honest. The most deadly disease in the 21st century and a cheap surgical mask I find at a gas station or a piece of cloth is going to stop it from killing me or infecting me. Let's get real. So the only thing that we can really do is what? Don't spread it to one another. So the mask has been shown to at least reduce, right? Not eliminate, but reduce the amount of, um, you know, bacteria and, vi- and virals that you output into the general air. And when we talk, when we yawn, when we sneeze, when we breathe, we're always putting bacteria, viruses, all these things into the air that then other people are then breathing in. And your body naturally, through white blood cells, and all that other fancy science I don't want to get into because I don't know a lot about it, will fight, right? So... When people say, well, the Trump administration, I say, well, they're just people. Leave them alone. All right. Leave them alone. Aside from locking you in your household for the next six months, go away. Most of you don't even wear your mask correctly. I cannot tell you how many people I see with your mask below your nose. Wrong. People have masks made of little, Whenever you knit and you have the little holes and you're like making a little quilt, yeah, wrong. Uh, some of you don't even wear a mask, wrong. Some of you, like, there will be a whole room of people without mask on and like two people have on a mask, wrong. They might as well leave or take it off. They're going to get sick. Most of you don't want to stay in your house. The government said, stay inside for a while. What do you all do? Run to the grocery store, take up all the toilet paper, buy all the food. I mean, come on, man. So, you know, ultimately, I don't understand the argument of, well, they, well, Trump, well, Trump's admin acted in ignorance. No, I mean, they gave recommendations. Dr. Fauci and, you know, the general surgeon gave their opinion. Now, has Trump been like, hey, this ain't that serious, y'all, at least to me? Yeah, he said that. I mean, he has. He said that. Um, But, you know, uh, I, I, I just think that He's just a man. They're just people, right? You know, moving on. So then Kamala then, of course, accused Pence and Trump about downplaying, um, you know, 
about downplaying um, the virus. And Pence came back and said, hey, we've seen the greatest mobilization of this nation since World War II. We've geared our economy strictly to medical, right? And I agree. I think when you have like COVID-only hospitals or whenever you've turned certain manufacturers into, I mean, we turn certain factories into mask production factories, right? I mean, that's a pretty good mobilization. The government physically took control of a lot of privatized industries, which they're allowed to do in certain instances, like hospitals, and they turned them into COVID-only facilities. They turned some factories into PPE-only facilities, right? Um, so after they kind of had their spat about that, they moved on the topic too, which was, uh, well, actually, I'm sorry, before that, Pence did strike back by saying, you know, the Trump administration allowed 60 million, right? 60 with an M, 60 million people get infected with, um, with swine flu, which is actually true. Uh, the swine flu outbreak was very much not covered in our media than it should have been covered in media which is why I think media is going to destroy this country one day because swine flu destroyed entire communities and put tons of people into the hospital. Tons of people went to the hospital with swine flu. Our hospitals were completely shut down by swine flu. And you don't see near the thing about swine flu is this. It was highly contagious. Wasn't thank God, highly uh, lethal, right? It's like when you're playing pandemic on your cell phone, you have the whole world infected, but you can't kill anybody because you suck. That's that's basically what happened with swine flu. The whoever's playing the video game of life was like, dang, I forgot to buy heart disease. I can't kill anybody. That's what happened. But this time the guy playing was like, I'm gonna start off with heart disease, and they'll make it contagious. So it's like <laughs> that's like really the only way I can think about it is Basically, it was contagious, not lethal, but now it's lethal, but a little less contagious. But we've actually learned that most people, if you're within a certain boundary, you will bounce back from COVID. So topic two, uh, Harris discussed the um, Trump's, you know, millions of dollars in debt. Um, you know, I will say while I, you know, it is important to talk about it. Um, I mean, like I'm a police officer, you can't even be a police officer unless they know how much debt you owe because why it puts you in pocket to certain people now am i saying the presence in the pocket of russia or china or xyz no but you know i mean 400 million dollars i mean granted we don't understand what that and what that money is indebted to and why i think we should i mean if you're in debt to like you know various resource construction companies and I mean, I understand that you're a, you're a multi-billionaire. You're one of the wealthiest people in the world. You've you're you've built skyscrapers. Oh, there will be some debt. I get it, right? Okay, I understand. Um, you know, um, but I think that if you're in debt to nonsense, we should know all about that. But there was only too much they said about that topic. They quickly moved on to topic three, which is the tax plan. Uh, Harris talked about Trump's tax plan and how he only looks out for the rich and that Biden would repeal it and um, and it would basically favor the uh, more poor class Americans. And, but that Trump's tax plan actually favors middle to higher class. Um, I can kind of see that. I do know a lot of people, you know, like me, myself, I'm like middle class. Uh, you know, I would say that I saw a pretty good return um, 
you know, in my taxes last year, being middle class, being how much I made. Um, I know some friends who are considered not to be middle class and they saw nothing. Some of them actually lost money, which I'm like, whoa, like, how did that happen? Um, so I think the tax plan might need to be revised a little bit to kind of start helping out some other people. But I mean, all in all, you know, I know Kamala was talking about, or I'm sorry, Harris talking about, um, she wants to tax the 1% even more, you know, I think you need to be careful about doing that because I think that we get the 1% and the 0.1% confused. So the 1% are people who make $400,000 or higher per household. Household. This is not a person or an individual. This is a household. So if both of you are doctors, right, let's say you're a surgeon, you're a surgeon, and you guys are bringing in half a million together a year, that's a household, right? You want to tax them together higher as a household. That's not always the best thing to do because they're not millionaires, billionaires. No, they're just two people who happen to make 400000 to about 600000 right? But they have children. They have bills. They have expenses, more money, more problems. They probably have a high house payment. They probably have car payments. They're probably put their kids through college. They're probably saving. They're probably taking trips. They're not. They're not just millionaires and billionaires with all this money. Just, long. I mean, you always hear about the one percent funnels money overseas. And I'm listening to the debate, and I'm like, that's absolutely not true. That's absolutely not true. If Joe Rogan's in the one percent, I mean, seriously, you know, so. When you start talking about the one percenters, I think you need to stop and talk about the point one percenters. One percenters aren't funneling money through Switzerland to avoid taxes. No, they're just making money through work. They're just working and they're paying taxes. They're paying more taxes. Honestly, the one percent probably pays more tax than the one than the point one percent. I mean, it is a fact. Donald Trump only paid seven hundred and fifty dollars in taxes last year. Meanwhile, um, you know, like my mother, uh, for instance, she's a doctor or she does a bunch of stuff in medical field and she's not 1%, but she makes a lot of money. She paid an extraordinary amount of taxes, upwards of 4,000, I do believe. I mean, seriously. So if you're in the, if you're in the 1%, you're already paying so much money in taxes. It's not even funny. It's not even funny. The, the thing you need to do is look at where's the money going? What's it being used for and who's using it? Because if I'm in the 1% and you're telling me you should be paying 90% of taxes, I'm going to say, well, then I'm going to move right to somewhere different. I'll go be, or I'm going to stop being a doctor. I mean, really, that's what you're talking about. You can't just, you can't just keep cutting these people's wages. It's not right, right? They pay more. Listen, listen. The 1% of people in this country who are like doctors and lawyers pay more in taxes than LeBron James. That's disgusting. Somebody who spent their life in school, 10 plus years, is paying more than some dude who dribbles a ball. Are you kidding me? You're kidding me. Like, you're kidding me. Listen, if you're going to get paid $6 million to sit on a steel bench and watch some guys who are 6'4 plus throw a ball around, I'm all about that. But you need to start pulling your fair share too then. If you're in the 0.1% and you own Bethesda or you own this one of these expensive companies, 
Cool. You need to start paying your fair share too. To keep taxing mom and dad who are in the 1% because they bust their butt to go to college for 10 plus years and now they make a decent living does not mean they owe you anything. They don't owe you anything. They contribute every single year by the work that they do and the services they provide and by paying you taxes. They don't owe you much more than that. They make so much money because they're important. Surgeons are important and they're hard to come by. It's hard to cut open the human body and figure out what you need to do to 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 basically uh you know ultimately stop somebody from dying. And sometimes they do it on the fly. Right? A, a gunshot victim goes to the hospital, they can be in surgery in 2 hours and they're like, "Doctor, if you don't do this perfectly, he will die." And you're supposed to be calm, cool, collected, steady hands like, yeah, well, another Tuesday, but I got this. I'm already cracked open his ribs and everything. No, these people are important. You cannot destroy them with taxes. It's not right. They've earned their money. They've earned their money. What you need to do is fix your tax code and stop letting these millionaire billionaires that 0.1% who own all these companies, who own all these skyscrapers, who own basically cities, funnel money out of the states, across seas, market as something different, and then bring it back and pay way less taxes than mom and dad in the 1%. Pay way less taxes than mom and dad in the upper middle class to middle class even. That's what you need to do. So I think that while we were on stage talking about tax plans and Trump, what needs to be talked about is how we're not going to destroy our middle class. We're moving on. So the next topic was healthcare. Uh, they talked about Obama era healthcare, which I thought was a disaster, um, and how basically Trump's new tax plan is unaffordable by the poor, and how it is unafford and how it doesn't help with pre-existing conditions. Listen, health insurance has never, never, ever helped with pre-existing conditions, and you need listen. There's so many things. So they're passing the buck back and forth, right? They're saying Trump this, Obama that. Well, you did this. Well, you said that. Stop it. The systems are broken. The systems are broken. You you need in healthcare to make a mandate that doesn't matter if it's through your um, place of employment. It doesn't matter if it's privatized. Healthcare needs to respect, and they need to have and they need to have affordabilities in place for people with pre-existing health health conditions. I don't care if you had cancer a year ago. I don't care if you're on HIV antivirals. I don't care if it's asthma. They need to have something in place that they can help you. They don't need to jack your rates up because you have a pre-existing condition. No, healthcare needs to stop being looked at, or I'm sorry, health insurance needs to stop being looked at as a way of making the max amount of profit and way of keeping people alive. And this is why I was so mad when, you know, Obama's healthcare is actually pretty good. It was free. When it first started, it was free. And through bipartisanships and arguments, it became unaffordable and a disaster. But Obama's initial healthcare was free. And it was actually everything that libertarians had asked for. It was free for people who qualified. It had built-in measures you could get. You could still go through privatized insurance. You just need to register your insurance with the government the way they understand you have it. And then if it's not free for you, it's on a sliding scale based on your monthly income. It was everything that libertarians had been saying we want healthcare to be. 
make it free for people who can't afford it. Let me keep my privatized. I don't want to go on your government plan, Mr. Government, and then make it sliding scale for people who want to go on your government, who want to go on your government plan. Oh, on top of that, I'm sorry. Pause before bipartisanship got a hold of it. You could have both. You could have two insurances, private and government. It was crazy. It was crazy. Like it was so awesome that, but gave it a year. It was enough Republican Democratic squabbling. It became unaffordable, a disaster, backweights and lobbies. It was terrible. They were hemorrhaging the hospitals dry. Doctors were leaving their practice to go elsewhere. It was a god awful thing. And come the end of his presidency, poor Obama ate the bullet right to the head for his health care that not he, but Republicans and Democrats together destroyed through intense argument over issues completely unrelated, which is another thing I hate. And I'm getting slightly off track, but we need to start making these little meats that our congressmen have and whatnot about one thing. I don't want to hear when I'm watching on when I'm watching it online. I don't want to hear the Democrats, which or the Republicans, which this is about to become true facts. Hashtag true facts for the next four minutes. When I hear Republicans go, "Well, we have a police reform bill. If you want to hear it, we're suggesting more mental health days, twelve-hour shifts for four days a week off. We're suggesting body cams, mandatory. We're suggesting mandatory uh, mental health trainings." And then the Republican and the Democrats go, what about gun control? Uh, wrong answer. Well, that's not what this session's about. This is about police reform. And I sat there and for three hours watched them discuss um, crime statistics through gun crime rather than police reform. And guess where we ended? Nothing. They filibusted the bill. The Democrats did. The Republicans said, we won't bring it up until you bring it up again then. We already have our bill. Where's your bill? And, what, and where are we? We are 160 plus days of rioting. We are four months later plus without a bill. Come on, man. Come on. The system of governments are not working for the people. They're not working. And when we discussed and when they were discussing health care, I couldn't help but think to myself and discussing taxes. That's fine. You both mean well, but ultimately your government's. Your government is not working for its people. It's working for better interest. So this is the problem. You can't just say, well, Obama's health care failed. Well, Trump's health care failed. No, no, the government failed and it failed its people. It's been doing it for at least a decade. Moving on. Number four was climate change. Listen, I'm going to admit, I'm not big in climate change. My small personal opinion, I think that the climate shifts naturally. I think that human beings have only intelligently walked this earth intellectually for about a blink of its time, right? I don't think we actually understand how our planet works. I think climate change is normal. I think that Hotter areas getting cold over time, colder areas getting hot over time is how the world kind of maintains its own personal balance. Um, now, I will say I do think that human beings do contribute to the admission of um, carbon. I think that that is playing a factor on the heating and cooling of the planet and how these things are starting to catch up to us more. Now, what they were talking about, um, they talked about uh, Harris's Green New Deal and that was challenged by Pence, 
stating that we need more research, but that we are doing better. And that um, basically Pence kind of basically said that he thinks it's kind of a natural thing as well, but that he thinks that leaving it to privatize business and capitalism to make companies to, you know, companies that, you know, specialize in reducing carbon footprint and whatnot. Uh, he thinks that through that we will, um, we will be, you know, basically uh, in a better position. Uh, Harris kind of dodged the question, but, you know, she was kind of like, this isn't really going that well. We need, we need better. We need more uh, carbon emission uh, awareness. We need to reduce it. Um, Pence did challenge her on ending fracking. She did dodge that, but she did defer and say, hey, uh, Biden states that he's not getting fracking. Fact check moment. That's not true. Biden's actually said multiple times that he wants to get away from fossil fueling, which we all know, or maybe not all of us, but if you're inclined enough to know this, you will know that fracking is the way that you would, that's how you get your materials for the fossil fuels. You have to dig. So it means you have to frack, right? So if we're going to get away from fossil fueling, we're ending fracking. And actually Joe Biden did say once or twice, I don't know if it was a slip or not. He's kind of gone back on it. I'll give him that. But he has said, I want to get away from fracking. It's environmentally damaging, which the mining of any resource is environmentally damaging. I mean, it's environmentally, all these electric cars are environmentally damaging. The thing is this, we need to have safeguards in place. I think I just hit my mic. If there's a loud tap, I'm really sorry. I think I hit my mic. I'm not going to edit that out. Anyways, <laughs> but like I said, uh, environmental environmental politics is not my forte. I, will, I can admit that. Um, so this is just kind of a layman's, if you will, opinion. I don't really research environmentalism. I really should. I admit that. So in layman's term, um, I'm more interested to see kind of what plays out. I know there's been a lot more talk by multiple forms of government kind of in the arena of, um, you know, fracking and environmentalism and what can we do to kind of start helping out our environment most notably as we've had these wildfires increase um and i think that basically we i mean i kind of agree with trump maybe cleaning the forest um i also agree with a lot of democrats we need to be really looking at carbon footprint maybe looking at our emissions i will say this Pence was right. We have reduced our output more than any other first world country or developed nation in the world to date. Meanwhile, I will agree with Pence. China has not times two, times three, times four, but times five. They have, you know, they have times their, um, their carbon footprint, their emissions output, and they're not slowing down, Right. A lot of developed countries are quadrupling their, if not higher, their carbon footprint and their emissions. And they're, they're going unregulated, right? These people are going, they're going unregulated. So I think we can start addressing our allies and our adversaries on this. And it needs to become a global topic. Well, that was the first few topics. When we come back, we have a few more to get to um, being... Uh, rather, you know, kind of China and being an adversary. And then they talked and linked about racial injustices. And I really want to get to that. 
So we will be right back. We're going to take a message from our sponsor, and then we will continue with the episode. Stick around. Hello, everybody. I know you know me, but I'm going to tell you again. I'm your phenomenal host, Delvon. Let's talk about somebody. Let's talk about Anchor. Listen, I use Anchor for Views from the Arch. I've had a previous podcast. I used Anchor on that podcast. I think Anchor is a phenomenal website to use if you're a starting podcaster and you want to get your voice out there. They will help you. They will push your podcast out to places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I think if you're an individual and to start a podcast, please consider using Anchor. Anchor is a great website. Simple, easy, and quick to use. Okay, so we're back. So next they discussed um, China and foreign relations. Basically, Harris kind of stated that the Trump administration has had god-awful foreign relation policy and was terrible in uh, foreign relations. I kind of think it's reversed. Um, you know, I don't want to date back to the predecessor. Obama was a better Obama was a better domestic president than he was foreign affairs. That's my personal opinion. I think that Trump is better foreign affairs than he is domestic. Um, I think that Obama kind of got into some stuff that we didn't really need to. And I don't want to get too far into it because we talk about that for hours. But I kind of think that foreign affairs wise, I think that Obama got us into certain conflicts that he didn't need to get us into. And then the, the initial reaction was just to blame the Bush administration. I think that was the wrong way to do things. I think that Trump has actually pulled us. I mean, stuck to his promises. He pulled us out of the Middle East. Um, whether or not we support this or not, I don't really care. Um, he was nominated for Nobel Peace Prize, whatever that means. And it was for basically helping to broker the Abraham Accords, which, if you look at it, is actually a pretty big deal. It, I mean, he was there. He did help, right? He, he did go to those talks. And it is the first time since I think even biblical proportions that Israel is not going to be fighting and warring against uh, the other um, the other uh, Muslim states, right, or the Arabic states. Um, misspoke, sorry. Um, and I think that's actually kind of a big deal. Uh, now, Harris did get on him about the trade war with China, which I believe we did lose trade war with China, which is no surprise. Uh, especially because China manufactures 90% of everything that we have in this country. I mean, to include clothes, shoes, the packaging your food comes in. I mean, come on. Uh, So, you know, and I get why Trump tried to do it. You know, basically he thinks that, you know, China's walking all over us. They're not playing by the same rules. They're not playing by any rules. And, um... I mean, I can mostly agree. I mean, China has stolen a lot of intellectual property from America. They've infiltrated a lot of our um, high-up tech systems and a lot of our high-up businessing uh, partnerships, and they've hacked a lot of our systems. I think that China has acted a little more inappropriately with our with our economy and our government than is really being taken credit for. Do I, however, think we need to have like a whole trade war with China? I really don't. Um I think the president should have launched a trade war with China. I really don't. Um, and Harris made sure to capitalize on that, which, you know, that's good. That That's something that she should have capitalized on. It's a weak point for the administration. And I think that if she didn't capitalize on it, we were going to hear about it. Um, they definitely talked about how Trump is more of an isolationist. And 
uh, he's in bed with the wrong people like Russia. I think that Trump's actually in bed with kind of the right people. I think that you need to get in bed with people like Russia. We need to start figuring out how, I mean, cause our, I mean, cause listen, militarily wise, you can say what you want, but Russia is a superpower and they're our biggest rival superpower. And they're one of the superpowers we probably don't want to go to war with, right? Because we all know that if the two superpowers go to war, we know how this ends. And it's probably going to be nuclear fallout. So we need to make sure we have somewhat of a working relationship with these people, regardless of how we feel about the things they do or the other people that they interact with. So I think if you're going to be a superpower and you're going to be the world police officer, which America has been the world police officer for, I can't even tell you how many decades, since World War II, then we need to start getting in bed with all of these superpowers. We need to start really having real conversations and setting real hard limitations on super, on these other superpowers. Now, ultimately, they're going to do whatever they want. So we can either buck the system or we can let it be. My whole thing is I'm more of an isolationist. I say let it be. If it's not going to directly destroy our economy or get us into a war, or whole, then let it be. If If... If Russia wants to invade the Baltic states and the European Union doesn't want that, then maybe the European Union should band together its armies and say, we will fight you with all these armies and all of our economic and political might. We will fight you. We will stop. We will stop allowing traffic on the waters to get you materials you need for your people to survive. We will starve you out. We will destroy you at the border. We will not let you enter our, we will not let you enter the EU. We will fight you. And you can do something about it if you want. But you're going to leave our Baltic states alone. But they're not doing that. They're looking to America to say, will you fight them? And us being stupid, we're like, eh, that's fine. It's a fight. I'll take a fight. I mean, I know people say smart. Uh, oh, I almost, I almost cussed. People say smart comments like, well, we're back-to-back world champs. No, we don't want to go to war with Russia. Like, ever. That would be terrible. Ever. That'd be so bad. It'd be so bad. We don't want to do that. That should be the last result. I think war should be the last thing we do. It really should. Because, it, I mean, in with with the development of the tactical nuke, with the development of all of these things, the EMP, with all with a lot of these things that could really destroy a lot of lives, you don't want to go to war because ultimately you're going to destroy a lot of lives, Right. You, but you just don't want to go to war, right? Um, but Pence was asked if he would describe the U.S. and China's relationship as adversarial. And, uh, you know, um, I mean, Pence kind of alluded to the fact more of, uh, you know, we're not really adversarial. We're more of a, like, I guess in his word, I guess, well, not even his words, how I kind of read it was, a stringent working relationship, <laughs> which is kind of what it is. I mean, it's a strained working relationship and it, and, you know, Kamala Harris did state, you know, she's like our relationship with China is like, she's like, it's, you know, she's like, you know, to Joe, uh, he thinks of, you know, foreign affairs as like any relationship. It's just, you have to, um, you have to basically, work at it, right? It's like, it's like a personal relationship. It requires work. It's going to require all these things. Um, so, I mean, I agree or disagree. I, I mean, I think it's just a strained relationship. It will always be a strained relationship. Um, and I don't think that 
it's not going to get any better until we all start setting these hard limitations. And we're going to need to set these limitations and we're going to need to abide by them. And we're not going to have to launch these trade wars and get into an uproar to make these relationships better. And I think that what Pence does with blaming, you know, China for, um, you know, blaming China for, you know, COVID isn't helping anything either. I don't think that's fair. I think if you wish to cite, I think if you have enough credible scientific evidence that you're going to cite a place of origin for COVID, then that's fine. You can cite a place of origin to be like, well, it's China's fault. Well, I'm going to need some facts and evidence on that one, bud. I'm need some facts and evidence, all right? Because you can't just say, well, it's their fault, their fault, their fault, their fault, their fault. You know, you need to say, well, where did it come from? You know, where did it come from? And then we need to be comfortable enough saying, okay, well, if it came from China, how did this happen? And if China wants to go on record, and here's me getting my, I I like to dibble dabble, dribble drabble in some uh, real deep YouTube dark dark web videos about conspiracy theories. So if we're going to get into the facts where, you know, we're like, oh, well, it came from, so it came from China. Okay, well, it came from a lab in China? No, I need facts and evidence. You would hope that a government would just say, hey, listen, we had a virus we were experimenting with. Um, we were trying to work on, you know, they can lie. I don't care. Developing a cure for XYZ with it. It escaped. Um, we're sorry. Uh, we're ready to eat our punishment for that. Cool. C- cool. Hey, sh- hey, it happens, right? We're asking governments all over the world all the time to play with deadly chemicals, deadly viruses, to find cures for other things, to do whatever, this, that, and the third. If something happened and a virus escapes, then cool. We, we get it. Do you have something in place to help, though, like a vaccine or some recommendations on how deadly? Can I get an estimate on if I should go buy all 12 pairs from the store and get in the fist fights over it in the middle of Target? What's going on, man? What's going on? <laughs> or if it didn't come from China, then just say that. Be like, we don't know where it came from. There's nothing wrong with an I don't know. We don't know where it came from. We don't know how to stop it. It's going to kill people. I'm sorry. Wear your mask. Boom. Cool. Cool. Hey, cool. I can't. I can't expect Trump to inject me with Trump with Trump white blood cells and stop the virus. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, ultimately, um, you know, I, I think what Pence was trying to really get to is just like. Um, it's just adversarial, you know, it's, it's an adversarial conflict and I agree with them. I think it's adversarial. It's going to continue to be adversarial and we need to work just as hard on that relationship as we've worked with the relationship with Russia. However, there's one more segment to get to. I actually have an announcement for all of you. So right after that announcement, we'll be right back. Okay. So here's a short little midstream announcement. So make sure everybody hears it. Uh, in the month of November and also December, there will be a lot of uh, interviews and guests. We will actually be very guest-heavy, probably one a week, and this will drive us into the new year. 
Um, I'm going to take a step back from my more opinionated segments and kind of news related things. If I do feel need to cover and cover the news, such as the election will obviously be covered, then I will post that as an additional episode in the middle of the week, like I have been doing. Um, but by and large, in the months of November and December, we will have a guest a week and I will be, uh, now we'll be posting those segments. So if anybody has uh, any questions about that, feel free to, as usual, get a hold of me, and I will let you know a little more about my itinerary. Um, we will be coming back to the opinionated segments during, inaugur- during inauguration and after the holidays. Um, this also will allow me to kind of take a break during the holiday. I plan on taking a little bit of a break in November to be with my family, and I take, I'm going to take another little bit of a break around Christmas to be with my, uh, be with my family again. So... This is a way to keep up my pod, to keep the podcast for you guys, and to also take kind of a step back from that, from the news. It's a little hard to, it's a lot to follow (laughs) week to week. There's a lot of news. Um, Additionally, somebody asked me about starting my YouTube page. I will be starting a YouTube page and doing my my video, uh, my video as well. Uh, I'll just be video and recording at the same time, and I'll be posting this to my video, to my video only segment, which will be on YouTube. I'll also be posting a, um, if it's my formal podcast, I'll be posting a uh, audio only as well. If it's just like a small opinion piece, like ten minutes here, five you know five minutes there, 12, fifteen minutes here and there, then uh, you know if I read an article or somebody really wants to start talking about, uh, I'll just go live or I'll record and post it. No big deal. So that's kind of what we're looking at getting into. Um, right now, I'm kind of trying to find a space to do all that. I just got into my new place. And uh, I need to find a space to do my audio at or do my video at. Um, I don't really have like a home office anymore. So that's all. Back to the show. Okay, and we are back. So topic six for them, which is the last topic I really cared to even speak on, was about you know racial injustice and policing in America. Um, this was kind of ushered in by the moderator talking about uh, Breonna Taylor and kind of the racial inequalities we've seen the justice system with that. And just kind of in general about, um, you know, how the system treats African-Americans. Uh, Heron mentioned that it's a shame no one was indicted in the case. And then mentioned how, you know, George Floyd was tortured and killed. Um, you know, my thing is this, regardless of how the courts handle these cases, this isn't a disparity. This isn't to say that there's disparities in race and race related policing. What's to be said is that there is clearly issues in our, in our criminal justice system, which I've said for a long time. If I bring a $3 million lawyer to court, I bet you I'm not going to go to jail. I bet I don't go to jail. I can murder somebody middle of daylight. I bet I don't go to jail. Why? Because I have a $3 million lawyer. And he's going to find every loophole. He's going to hire every team member that he can. He's going to find every witness. I might go to the insane asylum. They might say, oh, well, you know, he's insane. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can believe that. Ah, look at all these experts you guys hired to tell us that. Right? I mean, come on, dude. Seriously. So, you know. Uh, the, the way they ushered in this segment was kind of funny to me. Um, but regardless, um, 
you know, Harris kind of called it that we have a pandemic of killing unarmed black men in this country. Um, obviously, you guys know how I feel about that. I think that was I think that that was real comical and fast and loose from somebody who put in prison per capita more minority men for minor drug for minor drug infractions, i.e., possession of marijuana than any other prosecutor in the country while she served. That's a fact. That's not even an opinion. That's not because I don't like her. I don't really mind her, actually, but that's just a fact. She put in jail more black men, more Hispanic men, than any other prosecutor in the country during the same time periods that she served as prosecutor for minor drug infractions such as marijuana. Get real. Get real. Listen, I almost had to turn off the debate. I'm like, I'm not going to be lectured or hear a lecture to another human being by Kamala Harris about policing. Stop it. You can go join LeBron James down the street with that. No one wants to hear that. You can take that opinion down the street. We don't want to hear that around here because you're a hypocrite. I'm harder on Kamala Harris because you're black. Talking about how the system imprisons too many black men. But you, a black woman, locked up more black men for marijuana than any other sitting prosecutor during that time frame. Are you kidding me? You're kidding me. But I digress. I don't want to get into that woman's history like that. Um, but she did call that the that there is a that there is a pandemic right now of killing unarmed black men by police. Uh, you guys know how I feel about that. I don't think that's true. Um, she didn't really give any stats or statistics to verify her claim. She just kind of said it as like a sensationalism. Uh, Pence really didn't reply. I don't think he wanted that dogfight. And quite frankly, I don't think he should have took it. One, as a white evangelical, he would have lost just based on those two things. And she would have called him on that. Um, also, I think that he comes from more wealthier to-do family. And she would have called that as well. I think that Pence made a strategical move not to mention not to just engage in that conversation. Um, Pence called on Kamala for condemning the riots. Um, and I think that was a smart move. Kamala did not call for a condemning of the riots. Um, I think that between Kamala and Joe, we've kind of acted like there hasn't been constant violence around this country, destroying, burning, um, shooting at law enforcement. Um, trying to blow up law enforcement with Montel cocktails for the past 164 days. I think that's a mistake. Um, I think that we need to very quickly realize that these things are happening and these things are here and that these things are true. Um, and I think that we need to also realize that a lot of voters, I said this during the last, in the last debate, a lot of voters are about to become some single-minded voters, especially people who live in those cities. Um, people in those cities want to see that a president is going to condemn this nonsense. Um, and that they're going to be tougher, not only on the rioters, but on law enforcement, which brings me to my next point. You know, Pence very quickly called out Kamala that she not only filibustered, oh, not filler, filibusted the... Anyway, sorry, that she uh, filibusted the um, the 
the bill, the policing, the policing act bill that was brought by the by the by the Republicans. But she also walked out of the courtroom or walked out of the chambers. She didn't even stick around to hear the bill. When they brought it back to her revised, she walked out. And he was very quick to call her on that. And he should have. That's important. The vice, the person who wants to be vice president won't even hear from the opposition, quote unquote, what's going on with their own bills. She wouldn't even hear it from them. And that to me is important. That to me is important. You should at least hear what these people have to say. Because some of these people are very intelligent people. Uh, Republicans such as Crenshaw are very, very smart human beings. And I'm pretty sure they have a lot of really, really good ideas. And you should at least be willing to hear those things. Um, Kamal mentioned that Trump does not condemn white supremacy. That's a false. It is false to say that. I'm not going to get into that. Just go find, go on Google and Google uh, Trump condemning white supremacy compilation. You will find all you need as far as facts and evidence. Um, And Pence wrapped it up with attacking her for her uh, her record as far as locking up individuals and minority minority individuals for minor drug infractions. Um, the biggest thing I took away from the debate was this: there are a lot of broken parts of government, and this is not a Trump issue. This is not a Pence issue. This is not an issue of racism. Obama government is becoming too bureaucratic. There, we can't get anything done in this country. Nothing is getting done on a timely measure, right? It took four months just to get the first stimulus check. I mean, cities had to start freezing evictions because people were losing their jobs, right? Several hundred thousand jobs a day were being lost due to due to COVID, due to social distancing, shutting down businesses, knee-jerk reactions to everything. And the government could not support its people. They made it sound real nice. We're gonna give you guys a thousand dollars a month, man. I saw that. We saw that once. It's how many months later? Come on, man. Like, stop playing. Stop playing with us. We don't like that. So for me, the the, the debates were okay. You know, all in all, it, it was a lot more tamed. Um, you know. Uh, Pence kind of played a little fast and loose with time a little bit, but overall, I think he was a lot more respectful of it than uh, than Trump. I think that they respected each other more than Trump on numerous occasions. Pence was like, "Hey, I acknowledge you've been in public service for a while. I respect your dedication and sacrifice." I don't know if he was being flippant. He's kind of a monotone person in general. He was probably being serious. Um, I don't think that he actually hates Kamala Harris. None of these people, this thing about politics, none of these people actually hate each other. They're probably grabbing coffee before they come to the debate together. And they're like, hey, how you doing? None of them are actually rivals. It is silly to think that they just go plot their, they go plot each other's demises on, you know, some wacky, kooky, evil plan. No, no, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. They probably text each other. They probably have a whole text circle. They're like, do you see the debate that we were in? Yeah, it was great. There's a fly on your head, you idiot. I know. I didn't even peep that until uh, this morning. Thank you. Like, they're probably texting each other. Like, seriously. They don't hate each other. And we look silly as all get out as citizens when we don't like each other because you're Democrat and you're Republican. We look stupid. I digress. The debate though was a lot better. I a lot easier to watch. It was I think it was structured a lot better. It was structured in a way where 
really, really easy to follow. You know, it wasn't like I was having to kind of guess what was being said. No one was really screaming over one another. So that was always nice. So uh, that does it for our VP wrap-up episode. Uh, announcement, I did make the link tree, which will be in the comments below. I think everybody should go click on my link tree. You can find this podcast in a lot of different places. All that's in the link tree. And please, 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 please feel free on the link tree to follow it and go toward and go to the social media sites and follow and subscribe to the social media sites, the Twitter and the, uh, and the Facebook page. That would be amazing because the more engagement we get there, the bigger and better this podcast can be because the faster it's going to grow, which is the ultimate goal is to become the ultimate small time political podcast. So please feel free to follow the link tree. Feel free to spread the link tree. If someone's ever like, Fuse from the Arch, what is that? Be like, dog, and send the link tree. Too easy. Boom. He has all my links on his phone, and so do you. It is way too easy. So as always, thank you for listening to another great episode. This one a little longer than I thought it would and I wanted to. Feel free to obviously leave me a review wherever you find this podcast. I keep telling people the best way to engage with me, leave me a review. Let me and let everybody else know what you think. If you think it deserves one star, give me one star and tell me why. If you think I deserve five stars, give me five stars and tell me why. If you think I deserve more stars and you want to go complain to the admins of these companies on how they only have five stars, go complain and give me six or seven stars. However, leave me a review. Tell me what you think. If you want to go ahead and feel, if you want to go ahead and uh, get my direct messages, Savage the God ninety four, no space, no caps. That's on uh, Snapchat. You can always feel free to go to the link tree. See how that worked? The link tree, and go to the Twitter and and or Facebook and feel free to message me or comment on any of my posts. I always read them and I always engage back with individuals. Um, if you have anybody who would like to be interviewed, also send them my way. I'm always looking for new people to interview. I've actually got a lot of really interesting people coming on. And I am very, very, very excited to bring them to you starting in November. So once again, thank you guys for turning for stay tuning in to Views from the Arch. And thank you again for being constant listens. I really do love when I drop an episode at two or three o'clock in the morning and I look and I look at my views. And I'm like, my numbers out there. And I'm like, wow, people are already that many people have already listened. Really, it's phenomenal. So thank you guys for your constant support. And please keep spreading this podcast around to your friends, your family. If you want to use it in school, if you want to use it for whatever reasons, feel free. Um, all I ask is somebody, please let me know you're going to use it. Uh, <laughs> but feel free to spread it around. Really, really get it out there. Like I said, we were on uh, medium.com uh, in a segment. And it, you know it was pretty good engagement. I've had some pretty good engagement since then as well. So we are growing. And I'm getting a lot better at this. My skills are increasing. I feel myself leveling up. So like I said, feel free to like, share, comment, subscribe. Thank you for listening. And until next time, please enjoy this episode from Views from the Arch. And go back and enjoy the ones you probably haven't heard yet. Have a good day. Stay safe. Wear your mask. And remember, don't forget to vote.